Today's Movie Lovers United podcast episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We decided to partner up with BetterHelp because we know that therapy can help save lives as well as help with mental health. And BetterHelp will help you find the right therapist for you without waiting in a doctor's office. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with the stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Movie Lovers Unite. Listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash MovieLoversUnite. That's BetterHelp.com slash MovieLoversUnite. And hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. With me, I have Beth. Say hello to everybody. Hi, everybody. And tonight, we're actually reviewing Teen Wolf, the 1985 yes. movie, not to get confused with Back to the Future, which came out within the same year. And this is actually, hands down, one of my favorite movies, even though Michael J. Fox was really uncomfortable wearing the Teen Wolf's uh, makeup and stuff like that. As a matter of fact, he complained about it in his uh, biography, uh, in the 80s and stuff like that too saying how uncomfortable uncomfortable it was and things like that but it you know this is actually a fun movie despite the fact that michael j fox doesn't really talk about it as much but it is still loved by pop culture even today this movie had a budget of 1.2 million dollars at the box office and well 1.2 is basically the budget then the box office is 80 million dollars is what yeah. it made that's a fair, that's a pretty big margin when you consider, I mean, that's 79, they cleared $79 million. That's, that's amazing. Especially for back then, when you look at movies and stuff like that, especially coming off of other films, like you have, uh, during that time, you have Fright Night, you had Nightmare on Elm Street. This movie was different from the movies that we had back then. This yeah. is a whole new thing. And not only that, but there were other movies that featured teens that were um, uh, with wolves and everything too so team wolf wasn't the only uh werewolf movie in 1956 i believe there was actually a horror movie that featured a teenager that was a werewolf as well but still not not as good as this though <laughs> yeah this is, this is a more of a family friendly movie yeah this was very family friendly and it was i mean it is really it, i think it it did a lot of the things that teen comedies were doing at the time like the silly the silliness the lightheartedness which i'm not even sure that you have a lot of today in teen movies that kind of just mm -mm. it doesn't take itself seriously at all but it is but it's funny and it's fun and you you leave kind of being 
kind of happy. And one of the things I love about this and 80 movies in general is like, it all leads up to that like magic moment where something really big happens. And even though you know, you're going to have a happy ending, you're still like, come on, go, go, go. <laughs> like during the basketball game, that was, I mean, there's a lot of tense moments even in there. And even though, even if you've seen it a hundred times, you still kind of get that yay feeling of, you know, win, you got to win. You guys have to win. Exactly. And, you know, Scott is basically just an average 17 year old kid who's a student who is sick of being average living in the small town in Nebraska. His only claim to popularity is playing for the Beavers, which is an awkward name for back then is the Beavers <laughs> of all names. It's not the you would think with it being Teen Wolf, it would be like the Wolves. Yeah, Something they should have been. But Beaver? It. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, especially when all I can think of is uh, na- the Naked Gun movie and the woman, and Elvis Presley's daughters get, uh, putting the beaver up. Like, oh, nice beaver. <laughs> so that's all I can think of. But, you know, uh, but it's completely innocent. I mean, it, they're not trying to be dirty or anything like that, but it's just ironic at the fact that they would actually call their ba- this basketball team the Beavers while the, Beavers. the opposing while the opposing team is named the Dragons, go figure. The person that's bullying uh, Michael J. Fox's character is named the Dragons for the yeah. opposing team. So, yeah. yeah. We we actually have a uh, a high school maybe within within an hour of here that are are called they are the Beavers. My son played him in tennis. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, speaking of the Beavers, they're not really all that good at basketball. As a matter of fact, they're lo- they have a bad losing streak, which is why you see bleachers that are empty. Kind of like my high school in football, because our, our football team always lost our homecoming dance. And then we would go ahead, not, not homecoming dance, but the homecoming uh, football game. game. And then we would go to the dance and celebrate that we lost the yeah. dance. So yeah. I'm like, yeah, this doesn't make any sense. But, <laughs> but you know, uh, but, you know, basically this is what happens. So after that, after his love interest and Pamela Wells, even though she is dating his rival Mick, who turns plays for the Dragons, like I said, an opposing team who tends to bully Scott on the court, completely oblivious to the affections of his best friend Booth, he constantly rebu- uh, rebuffs her advance due to their history. He rebuffs Booth. He rebuffs Booth. <laughs> You see, he was rebooting stuff before <laughs> rebooting was actually cool, you know? <laughs> but I like Booth, though. Booth was, was such a great girl for Scott. It's just that yeah. Scott was so blinded by the beauty of the popular girl and mm-hmm. wanted that popularity. He just didn't know the cost of what it would be to be popular and understand what it would be like to be popular. Yeah, and, it and could I mean losing his friends. And I loved, I loved her. I thought she was great. And immediately you're like, you need to be with her. What are you doing? Why are you want? Why do you want to date the girl who's probably sleeping with her teacher director? <laughs> you know, that was a weird storyline. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I know it's that this was fr- family friendly. Maybe not that good, that close to being. Yeah, but you know what? Friendly. It was so. It was. It was subtle. So you really, if you were a kid, you would have never picked up on how weird that was. And even, right. I'm not even sure, like when I saw it in the 80s, I'm not sure I totally fully, let me say this, today you couldn't make a film that had that storyline, but back then there were a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> 
but but yes brandy i definitely liked this film as a kid as well this is actually hands down one of my favorite films like i mentioned before uh but yeah i didn't i didn't pick up on the whole thing of the pop the popular girl sleeping with the teacher or anything like that when i was a kid i was just thinking okay this is for plot i just want to see scott run yeah. up and down the basketball court and shoot some hoops be transformed into the into the wolf but yeah. i like the slow transformation of that though yeah you have the opening scene where michael j fox is playing basketball he's up against his rival which is the dragons they wind up losing the game off the three point uh three-pointer then you are they're disappointed from the loss that they have mm-hmm. then you wind up seeing chubbs trying to cheer him up and everything inside the locker room and then miles comes in with this overhyped ass and just like hey what's going on what's hey i know we lost but you know there's gonna be a party coming up coming up over here and guess who's gonna be uh throwing guess who's gonna wind up getting the beer it's gonna be me so <laughs> that might be the worst uh impression it sounds like uh, <laughs> the sopranos busting up no head. judgment here so, but yeah yeah he's the ducky of this movie isn't he <laughs> yeah he's very much like the ducky but also too richmond high the stoner guy in richmond high if you think of Scott, think of the stoner guy because oh, he had. Um, what, yeah, what was the, his name? I that know was Sean, was that Sean, Sean Penn? Was that Sean Penn's character? I think so, but he was um, the stoner dude. Spicoli. Magoli, yes, Spicoli. Spicoli. Because think of it like this: he was the stoner dude in Richmond High, right? So, you know, they were trying to get Michael J. Fox to play that role. Were they really? Yeah, they were going to oh, try I and do know that. that. Or make no no no. I'll take that back. They were trying to make him dress like him. Oh, okay. And Michael J. Fox said, "No, I'm not dressing like that because that does not fit my character. No, at all. I'd rather at just all. be a plain teenager because I'm supposed to be just plain. I'm not supposed to be like that. But if you look at the way his friend Miles and everything is, he dresses just like Biscoli. Yeah, the Hawaiian I think, T-shirts. Say that, yeah." He's yeah. like the stoner dude that surfs on top of his van, which is a That's very Muscoli thing would he would do if he was in this movie in can Richmond you, High. Is that something that can be done? Like, do people really do that? I I was watching that. And I'm like, like, I guess people really do do that. Do they do that? I mean, I've seen this on the news where people attempted it and they died. From yeah, I was to gonna say it. falling off of it, the top. Yeah. That seems so scary. Well, I know the whole time I was like, no. But I guess they there was that scene of Footloose where they had like the somebody like between two trucks. That seems more stable. But I was just like, I don't know that. But that was a good scene. I I liked it. I thought it was pretty clever. And and really, that that was kind of like um, I guess they didn't really do scenes like that much. Like where you know when people would get wild and crazy in eighties movies, they weren't doing things like van surfing. Which so I thought that was pretty clever. Right, I thought it was a very clever scene. It's something that we haven't seen before in teen movies, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. I yeah. love the Beach Boys. I know that we talked about the mu- music. And oh, yeah. Being corny, but there's just something <laughs> iconic about Surfing USA and seeing that iconic thing being played yeah. out. Because who doesn't try to do that as a kid going on top of the monkey bars or something like that on that octagon and try to do something similar to that yeah. as a kid? Yeah. And listen to Surfing USA by the Beach Boys. Yeah, I know I did it, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the Beach the Beach Boys in the eighties were not cool though. You have to remember 
So just to put it into context, the Beach Boys in the 60s and 70s were very cool. They had kind of a low point. And I, and I think like Jesse from Full House, I think John Stamos sort of made them cool again. But for a while there, it was like, no, not cool. No, no because John Stamos was like, you know, the Beach Boys. Yeah. And everything, you know? And so he would go yeah, in you and know. Hit, you know? But anyways, what's your thing about the scene with Miles coming into the locker room and then trying to cheer them up? Because, hey, easy, Chubbs. I know that you're hungry and everything. Here you go. <laughs> but yeah. A little bit of bullying. His, I like the quirkiness of him. Though, too. Yeah. He's more of a a bagoli with ADD. I'm always <laughs> I'm always drawn to characters that are just a little bit on the on the edge or a little bit like outside, live outside the 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 norm. So I thought that was a good fit for Michael J. Fox's character. They like kind of were di- so different that I think it made them like quite good friends. And I think mm-hmm. that like having that sort of comic foil was good and i and so like having him in that scene was it was funny because it's like well first of all like what why why are you in the locker room dude (laughs) you're not on the team (laughs) easy and he's like easy scott easy i'm going to tell you about the party that we're going to be having and then the next thing you know he's making scott buy beer (laughs) well first he gets his other friend to go to the liquor store to try and get the beer and it's not working so he tries he goes he he goes never say die so he goes inside the store the old man goes he goes look i'd like to get a keg of beer and he goes well that'll be 50 bucks i'm just i'm not going for verbatim but he goes that'll be 50 dollars he goes great my man great uh but i need to see some id first and he goes takes the money back goes back over there and his friend just looks at Miles. He goes, "Never say die." And then they roll <laughs> off. And next thing you know, it he gets. He, next thing you know, it Scott winds up uh, getting the um, getting the call from Miles, or I think Miles pulls up to his house and said, "Hey, look, man, we need you." <laughs> to get, and everything. And at this time, Scott and his father are actually having a heart to heart moment, though too. But we also skipped something else, though too, at the hardware store with the mm. kid blowing the whistle. You have that oh, yeah. slow transformation of the super hearing that he hears, and he's not uh, doesn't know quite know what to make of it. Yeah, because at the because be- already at the beginning of the movie, he's he's transitioning, but we know it as the audience. He doesn't know it. Nobody else knows really what's happening. So, like, there's those kind of like like little hints that the uh, the hints like with the you hear like a kind of a groaning at one point and you know, he kind of gets a headache. So, you know, something's going on and you can tell by the title of the movie, what's going to happen, but he doesn't have any idea what's happening. And so when he hears that whistle, it, he's, he's freaked out because he doesn't know what, he doesn't know what's going to happen. He has, he's like, yeah. I, what, what is this? And his dad, I guess, wasn't paying that close of attention to the cues at that point. Cause we know afterwards later on that the dad is a as a werewolf too but we don't know that during the scene with the um with the whistle at the hardware store no because also that's also another thing scott is actually working part-time for his father who owns the hardware store in this little small town in nebraska which also reminds me of the hardware store in potterville though too at one time in the 90s we did have a little hardware store that reminded me of that store oh yeah and so it has like a little bit of home outage uh teal for me to, to have that in there but scott goes over to the kid the kid shows him the whistle he's looking at it clueless he goes a dog whistle and so he d- doesn't put anything together he puts it away 
and then it goes in, of course, with him and his dad having a heart-to-heart conversation, which I forgot what the context of that conversation was. I, oh, it was about the his mother. Oh dying. yeah, yeah. The mom. The, that's how we found out. That's how we find out. I think that that scene was meant to show us, you know, their relationship, which was a nice one, and then to find out what happened to the mother. But I, I will say, John, too, that we. I also came. I came from a small town that had a little hardware store, and I remember, you know, going to the hardware store with my dad to get the screws and get the hammer and whatever he needed, and it was really the same feel. Right. And, you know, it's just like that old school way of doing things, calling the hardware store up. It's like, hey, look, I need some roll of duct tape. I need, if Dexter was around during that time, he would want to get some clean parts. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. But he would call up, hey, look, I need some supplies. Michael J. Fox goes over to see Dexter and Dexter goes, it's a shared universe of my world. But... <laughs> you got Dexter on the brain today, huh? <laughs> well, we do an after show on Mondays. But yeah, I know. Anyways, it's not that... <laughs> but, but still, I'm just using examples. But, you know, I just think that I love that whole style of a little small town and they're using the uh, this local store like other small towns would do. And, of course, Scott goes on ahead and delivers that over to the theater um, uh, theater department over in the school. And you can tell that he really wants to try out for this part. And he wants to quit the basketball team so he can be popular because he thinks being in theater would actually make him popular because he's with the crush that he wants to be with. And they're making fun of him and things like that, especially when – uh, the director is being rude as hell to him, the teacher. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah. you, delivery boy, off by set, off by set now. He goes, <laughs> and he goes, I'm the hardware guy. Oh, come with me. Come on. <laughs> I just I just get a, such a kick out of that because I'm like, dude, it's, uh, and I don't mean to like talk down about it, but it's, he took his job very seriously. Let's just say that. Yeah. <laughs> but and, I mean, and then the and then that girl was it, Lori. Was that her character's name? Lori. Lori. She was the worst yeah. actress too. She's like, I don't know what happened. You know, like her her terrible southern accent and her. Oh, her, Pamela her, is her name. Pamela. Her name was yeah. Lori. The, the Pamela Wills. Yeah. <laughs> and she's just like, oh, la, la, la. You know, it's just so terrible. And every time you see her acting, you're like, oh, it's so cringeworthy. It's, it's, it's so good. She's such a good actress. Exactly. And also, too, uh, and of course, Vince Doc is actually the basketball coach. I and love him. Like that. He's such a good character for he he is. And I mean, it must have been really hard to play somebody so deadpan. And like, especially when you're in a comedy. I, I don't know, it would be interesting to get his take on, on playing that character. But I thought it was, he was one of my favorite characters actually in this movie, because he's just so like, does not give a shit. No, he doesn't care that they're winning or losing. No. No, he, he didn't. Neither did the assistant, or, like his, his, uh, his assistant coach didn't care either. He's just like, whatever. <laughs> and you know uh then of course he winds up changing his mind and then scoring it and then of course this is also where he's scoring the keg of beer with miles <laughs> and then miles is like hey uh i'm gonna get inside the van with you and everything whenever um he winds up going ahead and scoring the keg but the way that uh my, the way scott scores the keg is just funny and comical 
because and also a little bit of scary though if you're in the if 80s, you're the guy taking this. the money right? <laughs> right but he goes into there miles hands him a water gun thinking that if he hands him a gun the guy will hand over the cake and everything so he goes over there he goes look i need a keg of beer just talking in his normal voice and the guy goes uh nice try sport uh, I just told the other guy, he goes, what's up with you hoodlums? All you want to do is try and get it over on me and everything. And I already know who, uh, who, what kind of people that you are. Next thing you know it, he goes, I want a cake of beer. And then all of his, his eyes start glowing. The guy is just about to have a heart attack and shit in his head, uh, in, on his chair. He winds up handing my, uh, Scott uh, the cake of beer. Then that's how they wind up scoring it. But did you know that in the trailer, they just used his normal voice, but kind of dubbed it in the trailer? And then when you saw, yeah, I didn't know that either until I started watching uh, this thing on YouTube before the show, and they were going through it. As a matter of fact, the name, if you have anybody's actually curious of where I got my information at, is from Minty Comedic Art, Arts, Minty Comedic, Comedic Arts, and he was breaking it down on different things, and he said that they used two different things here. They dubbed it with his regular voice, and then in the and then of course, whenever the actual movie came out, it was had that dark, evil, sinister voice that we know. Hmm, that's interesting. I did not know that, but that I mean, I thought I like. I'm glad they used the sinister voice in the movie because I think that it was good. It was a good time for that. I mean, the way that they sort of built up like him becoming the wolf was was good because they would just do those little things like that that give you like the the cue and and i and i i hadn't seen the movie in a very long time so when i saw that scene again i was like oh i kind of forgot about that what happens now and then it was like oh yeah he's gonna get that beer (laughs) most definitely he winds up getting the beer and everything and of course you know that's when uh that we wind up seeing Miles. He goes, "Hey, um, I'm gonna ride with you." And the next thing you know, he puts on the Hawaiian shirt. He has those '80s sunglasses on. Yeah, those cl- sunglasses were so popular back then, and the um, and the uh, Hawaiian shirts. And that's when um, that's when he does the the van surfing. Right? It's that scene. Right? Back to the party, and it's at is it the party's at Miles's house? Correct? I can't remember. Yeah. So I think that, um, well, it was funny, though, when he goes into the house and he's like, like, the house is full party mode by the time they come back with the beer. I'm like, well, they already seem to have plenty of beer here (laughs) because there's a lot of people at that party. You're on mute. On mute. Well, remember, Miles said this. He said, I got the keg. He goes, kegs are over there, man. And there's like a line of kegs. Oh, yeah. It's like, why did you uh, have to spend so much time getting that keg then? It was just funny because I'm like, usually when you're hosting the party, it doesn't start before you get there. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I don't know. But I think it was that. I don't know whose house it was. I think it might have been the douche, the ball bags uh, place, though, I think. Oh really? Like, okay. I, for some reason, I thought it was Miles's house. I don't know why. I did but then too, I would but like, I think it makes more sense for it to be a mix. I think. Yeah. No, I don't know whose house it was. If you think about yeah, it, I guess it doesn't really matter. Because, it doesn't really. <laughs> because Mick does show up with um, the ball bag. Does show up 
with uh, Pamela. So yes. So therefore, it's not his house. So maybe it is Miles's house. But anyways, they are actually doing the twenty uh, ten minutes in heaven drawing, yeah. and so happens to be it's rigged because Miles is trying to help his friend Scott out with scoring with Pamela, which I, which is something that is a loyal friend would do. Yes. And so, of course, Pamela's not into him or anything like that because she winds up getting Scott's name and she trades off with Boof's. And yeah. that's how Boof and Scott winds up in the same closet together. And, you know, at that point, Scott just feels awkward because he grew up with Boof, Boof and everything. And, you know, and they're locked inside this closet and everybody's waiting for them to come out in like 10 minutes. And so Boof wants to make the move. She doesn't care. She wants Scott. Yeah. <laughs> and, She's pretty clear from the very beginning. Yeah. And, they start making it, and then you don't. And then you you hear the commotion inside the closet with Scott, and then also too, you have these other games that's going out in, outside the closet though too. All this commotion, jello shots, stuff like that going on. You have a bunch of stuff going on inside this party, you know. Yeah, eighties eighties comedies knew how to throw a a high school party. I mean, you see them all the time. They're all different, but I mean, they're all kind of similar too because you see the. Um, the party in six, 16 Candles was pretty raucous and all this stuff going on. And I can tell you, having been a teenager in the 80s, oh, most of that stuff didn't really happen. Everybody just got drunk and made out and threw up in the backyard. Nobody even played seven minutes in heaven. You just made out with whoever. That's kind of the way it was back then. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. <laughs> so it's not as raw as what they make it on the, uh, into the 80s movies, unfortunately. Sorry, people that were <laughs> expecting a 16 uh, Candles party and just got uh, basically a Dollar Tree version of it. Damn it. <laughs> hey, listen, if there, was, if there was beer, even if I had to pay $2 for it to get a wristband or whatever, a cup, I was in. I didn't care. Right. <laughs> but I thought that was a good scene. I mean, it was funny because it meant that party looked like fun. Wow, yeah, fun. it definitely did. The party looked like fun. Also, too, I think you also have a slip and slide going on in there, though, too. You had a bunch <laughs> of stuff. If you run into making out, you have slip and slide. If you're not in slip and slide, guess what? We got you being drunk all the way until 6 a.m. <laughs> just, so, just crazy stuff in the 80s so. that they would just like throw into these comedies, and you're like, oh, slip and slide seems right. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And of course, yeah. you know, like the slip and slide went off the market for a reason. So people probably shouldn't have been drinking and slip and sliding <laughs> we exactly. didn't show those scenes <laughs> but uh then of course you know they're making a boof in him it goes back over to the closet and so miles is over there listening in in the closet and stuff like that and then of course you know boof says easy scott don't be so rough and everything and then next thing you know it Boof's here when he open when Miles opens up the closet. Her hair's all messed up. She's wearing this nice black, uh, bl this black blouse or black dress, and you, as she's walking away, yeah, you can see it's the all it, the claw marks and everything. <laughs> and of course, Miles goes, "So was it worth it? Yeah, it was worth it." <laughs> <laughs> she's like, "That was the best." <laughs> <laughs> And Miles is like, way to go, Scott. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, that was funny. That was fun. Because yeah. she didn't know. Nobody knows at this point yet that he's a wolf. A werewolf. No. No. It doesn't happen until the transformation inside the van. 
where uh, where uh, Scott's ear starts growing, and then next thing you know, in the bathroom, he, that's when he starts being wolfed out. Yeah, and he's yeah. panicking. It's like a coming of age movie if you think about it, where sure. you're reaching puberty, but it's not on the puberty level that Scott would hope to be on. But yeah. it's still in that same kind of aspect because it's like what, what my best friend Stormy used to say. I used to. I found out I had here that I never knew I had before. <laughs> like, dude, that's what he said. <laughs> but yeah, that's exactly how Stormy talks, too. Dude, bruh, bruh. <laughs> but I, yeah, I think that I I thought that the werewolf transformation scene was a little bit of a letdown when you consider like, mm. um. Michael Jackson. Yeah, well, American Werewolf in Paris, they had a great transformation scene. And even in Thriller, the the Michael J uh, Michael J. Michael Jackson <laughs> video for Thriller, there that that transformation scene is it's pretty intense. And I think maybe this I mean, there could have been a lot of reasons why they didn't do it. And one of them may have been budget because it would have probably been hard to like show a full body transformation on such a short, small budget. Ooh. I think because I think that actually think the the budget for the thriller video may have been more than the budget for Teen Wolf. I'm not sure, but um, the one in American Werewolf in Paris was so good too. And this one was a little bit of a letdown, but but it was still good. I mean, I'm I mean, it was still like it still it was an impact. It made an impact. It was good. It I wasn't agree. Great. I mean. It's more of a comedy than it is for a True. horror film. So the right. transformation has to be a little bit different. Yeah, but- you're right. But still, it, it's kind of a bummer about how they did it, in a sense. But I do like the slow transformation of it, of them doing it, and then the outcome of it. And then Scott wondering, oh, what the heck am I going to do now? I can't go to school looking like this. Yeah. And yeah. then, of course, that's when Scott winds up getting yeah. uh, a knock at the door. And his father's yeah, the- like, yeah, I'll let you go on ahead and break this one down. Oh, okay. So then the next thing you know, there's a door. So so Scott's in the bathroom and then there's a knock on the door and he opens it and it's um, his dad. And we find out that his dad is also a werewolf. And we find out that his mother was not a werewolf, but but she was fine with him being a werewolf or however, however that works. So then he and Scott talked about it because he said, well, I never told you because I didn't know... Um, I didn't know if you were one and obviously you are now. So we'll have a chat about it. And it was a really lovely scene. I mean, it was, even though they're like both werewolves at this point, it's still a really nice bonding father, son talk. And I think in general, he and his dad had a really good relationship. I don't think there was any sort of, it didn't seem like they had any kind of disagreements between the two of them or anything like that. So it was nice. I liked it. Definitely not. And also, too, I liked how the father goes, well, I thought it would skip a couple of generations. No, Dad. It did not skip a couple of generations. (laughs) This is happening. Yeah, and still, like, still should mention it, because what if Scott has kids, and then his kids are werewolves, and he's like, what the hell? (laughs) You know what? I was thinking that to myself now that I'm older. I'm like, what happens if he has some cubs? Half half cubs, you know? But that was something I was wondering about myself now that I'm older. I'm like, what happens if this, if Scott's babies wind up coming half half werewolf, half half human? Yeah. And everything. So, yeah. That's something but, I mean, you would want to tell your kids. You would think. But, I mean, I could see why he wouldn't want to tell people, though. Because, like, if you tell your kid, your kid could run around and tell everybody. 
And that would be weird that the hardware <laughs> store owner is a werewolf. Who's going to believe that? <laughs> right? It's like, yeah, okay, whatever, son. Here's a lollipop. Go, go do whatever you have to do. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blow the whistle. <laughs> but you want to know what's funny, though, is there was a scene that was deleted where I think it was after uh, Scott and Booth are walking uh, each other home. And there were supposed to be these dogs that were supposed to be chasing after him. Oh, and they cut Wait, it out. Was it, you mean, when they were walking home at the beginning of the movie or walking home at, weren't they walking again at the end? I can't remember. They walked they were a walking, times. I think there was like two or three different scenes when yeah. they were walking together. Did you see but the deleted scene? I've, well, it's also part of the clip out on the uh, YouTube channel. That oh, I okay. I'll send you the link after this. It's just yeah. very interesting because I never knew that. But they cut it out because of the fact that it felt like it was too horror. Uh, had that really? too much of a horror vibe to it and stuff like that and so therefore they cut it out but basically after he winds up dropping Boof off at her house and after he walks her she goes in and the next thing you know it these dogs come out of nowhere and he's supposed to be chasing Scott and did, so yeah did you think it was too horror what did you think of the scene to be honest with you in a movie like this I would think that they want to keep it more of the humor built around Scott Miles and have that drama of him trying to overcome this whole entire deal where he's a where like he's a wolf and stuff like that. So I don't think that they needed to have it in there because it'd be too obvious because it's like, okay, why are these dogs all of a sudden just coming out of the neighborhood chasing after this guy when he didn't do anything to them? Yeah. In the first yeah. place. I agree. I mean, this movie all the way through was lighthearted and silly and mm -hmm. funny and fun. And I and, think adding any any too much serious stuff in there wouldn't have worked, I don't think, that well. Also, too, Scott wanted to hide his presence from the public, public eye. He did. And everything, too. And so to have the dog in dogs in there, it would have took audiences out of the movie and stuff like that. And it goes against uh, Scott's character as well. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, but, and then, yeah. no, go ahead. But there's also uh, this, I forgot to t talk about this other scene before the transformation, though, too, where basically he's in the classroom and he's sweating. He doesn't understand why he's sweating. And then you wind up seeing the principal giving him hell. As oh, well. the principal. Yeah. He was such a douchebag. He was Scott. a douchebag. And we don't know why until towards the end of the movie. Right. Or was it or is it when that father-son talk happened? I can't remember when we find out what it was, was later on, a little later on, I think. It was after the after Scott runs out after uh after basically the fa uh, basically after Scott runs out of the uh, the gym. Oh yeah. And, and then he has the then the father has a confrontation with the principal and says we'll talk about this when we get home when you get home scott yeah that's right so you know there's actually a little bit more to that scene though too that i'm going to bring up later on too that they cut out oh i can't wait I can't with the wait. uh but yeah there's a little bit more to it that i, that I want to talk about and dive into but you know um but i feel like the the principal is a total ball bag yeah, he's a jerk. But he has to be. That's another 80s sort of comedy trope thing. If there's a principal, they're always kind of the bad guy. And I think this one was right up there with the best of them. Right. But 
so he goes down to the uh, this basement area in this bathroom, and he, you see him sweating. You see the ears, and then of course the teeth, and then the transformation stops because he gets interrupted by the principal. The principal winds up being a total butthole to him, and then he winds up walking away. And then that's when we see a piece of hair inside the sink and the principal's just looking and we don't know why he's looking the way he's looking. But now once you wind up seeing it later on, you understand why he's looking at it oddly. So, you know, yeah, but I thought that scene was actually a little bit of foreshadowing on what we're going to get later on. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, I just think that he was such a, she's such a jerk and I'm like, Oh, this guy's a bad guy, but you don't know why the first time you see it, you figure it out later. We, we learn later why, but um, but the principal's a good foil, and it, and, he, and he often is in in these teen comedies. The the if if there is a principal, it always seems like they're never really no. pro student or I don't know. It's just kind of the the vibe back then. But then, but you know, that was just kind of the eighties. The principal at your school was the guy in charge, and you know. That's not necessarily the case today, but back then it was, and you didn't always like that person because they're the one that has to discipline and stuff. So, exactly. And then you know, then of course, once again on the basketball court, Scott is actually feeling the pressure from the rival team again with the dragons, and then he winds up being trans. He winds up transforming into the wolf. And the thing that I'm surprised about, even though E.T. was a family movie, this is actually a family comedy movie. You don't see anyone from the FBI going down to the school or CIA wondering why is this kid who's playing basketball. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're right. And and nobody's like, uh, (laughs) nobody questions it. Nobody questions it. That would have messed up the whole plot of the movie, I think. (laughs) Change it from a comedy. Most definitely. And so Scott Wolf's out. People are shocked. Even the beaver is the beaver mascot is shocked. <laughs> but she has more uh, facial expression than Christian Stewart. Uh, but yeah. She... <laughs> so, you know, we wind up seeing them shocked at everything. And then Scott just goes on ahead, spins the basketball on his fingers. Yeah, they're just dribbling. like, okay, let's play. I mean, nobody even also said, like, the rival team would it, didn't say, like, um, werewolves can't play. Or dogs are not allowed <laughs> in here. Yeah, somebody check the rules here Don't to see if you can even play. <laughs> and then everybody, then the exploitation starts, but everybody's like, yay, go, we're not going to question this, even though it's super weird. <laughs> right, because he makes a basket, everybody's like, and he's like, come on, let's play. And then Chubbs is like, yeah. So, <laughs> so then after they won that game and everything, Boof and him start walking, and then they start, start reminiscing about when they wanted to run away as kids. Yeah. And all they did was circle the block. So it goes to show what kind of history that they had together. Yeah. It was so cute. And she's like, and nobody even knew we were gone. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought they that were was really cute. The street. They were afraid across the street is why they kept walking around <laughs> in the same neighborhood. It was so cute. That was one of my favorite scenes because it was just so sweet. They, it was just such a nice little moment between them. It was. I it definitely it. was. I liked, and I liked Boof. I do too. Boof is definitely one of my favorite uh, female characters when you're looking at the 80s movies and stuff like that. Yeah, the which reminds between me. My, right. Yeah, we have to do we have to do Real Genius because there is the best character, female character in that one. 
That one's Val Kilmer. But I just thought of her because she reminded me. Boof reminds me of that character. Did you know I never seen that movie? Well, you're going to see it because we're going to review it. (laughs) It's a great movie. You will not. I'm not kidding. You will. You will love it. If you like. If you like 80s teen comedies, it is probably one of the best ones that you've never seen. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. So you heard of this here first as a little teaser. So mm-hmm. we'd set to <laughs> um, pick a date. I, we, I sure will. I'll definitely do that. Uh, so basically, Booth also asked him, hey, Scott, have you thought about going to the spring dance? And he's like, no. I, I thought about asking Pamela Wells. She goes, well, Pamela don't even know you even exist or anything. What makes you think that she's going to go out with you? And then, you know, Scott's defense is up because he feels like he's being attacked by her. But it's really the truth. He's just she's just being truthful to him. Yeah. Even though there might be a little bit of anger towards him because of the fact that she he doesn't want her. He wants Pamela, which I don't get. Yeah, I she's don't just either. A plain Jane, but yeah. And then of course, after that plays out, the next day he's trying to audition for the uh for the play. Hmm. And he's horrible at acting. He is. Well, she, he is, he's about the precedent that everybody else has in that play. I mean, Pamela is terrible. Mm-hmm. Terrible. And it's hilarious. She's so funny. <laughs> but she tries to sell it, but she's overacting. Oh, and, and director- with that southern drawl, she's like, yeah. I do declare. <laughs> she sounds like, uh, who's that? What's that character from Bugs Bunny or <laughs> oh. Tuna, who always, I do declare. <laughs> I do declare. <laughs> but yeah. And you have Scott, who goes, I'm going to burn the village and take a. <laughs> and Scott is just way out of place with it. It's not even funny. And the director's like, great job. Great job, Wolf. Great job. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah, he I know. Care. I was like, knows. this is like Hollywood producers and Hollywood directors. Great job, you suck, but great job. But you know what, though, you're a famous person. Everybody wants to see the wolf. You're gonna yep. sell tickets. Guess That's what? A- this is gonna be a sellout venue. That is so- exactly right. He he hired him because he knew that he would sell tickets, which is what kind of happened with the whole basketball thing too, except for. Except for that, I don't think the coach ever really cared that much, no. but whatever. <laughs> no, he's like, eh, whatever, whatever they want to do. Yeah. Kids are going to do whatever they're going to do anyways. Exactly. Well do it. Yeah. And then but everybody, but then, they, then the stands were filling up at the games too. So, I mean, it worked. Well, technically, I wouldn't blame the school for that one because there was like a sense of innocence with that. But I yeah. do blame the school for giving Scott an A, maybe when he didn't deserve an A and he was showing it off to Pamela and stuff like that. He was getting everything he wanted, even whenever he was with the beer and his at the can, beer can, doing it with his teeth and stuff like that, <laughs> ripping it open with his teeth and everything, which is totally a cl- cliche thing in the eighties. Oh yeah, they would do. It's such a trope. I loved it though. It's Me fun too. to like look back at that and just it's just all just in the name of fun. But you know the exploitation of him being in the play and on the basketball team as the wolf, and then the <clears throat> then the dance and all you know gotta be the wolf it's the wolf what did they call it the wolf spring wolf dance or wolf dance i forget what they called it i think they call it the spring wolf dance or something something weird like that (laughs) and then boof is like you have to go as the wolf otherwise there's they're you know it's like dude i don't know but at this point right and also too at this point though too scott is being an egotistical person he's becoming the person uh his rival the person yes. that he hates the most is who he's turning into. 
Yes. And he's hogging the ball. He's not giving Chubbs the ball or anything like that. And Scott's just having a good time, like poisoning, nothing but a good time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and everything's fine in Scott's world. But it, he's not looking at his friends on how they want this supposed to be a team effort. And one person goes, and even Chubb says it. He goes, I thought we were supposed to be a team. And then one of his other team players goes, well, we're winning games, aren't we? So yeah. so why can't we? So we shouldn't really be complaining. He goes, yeah, but I want to do something too. It shouldn't just be revolved around Scott and his wolfness or anything. Right. Yeah. And and so there was that feeling of unfairness that people are starting to get. It kind of comes slowly, but then it it's kind of there. And then the resentments sort of start building up. And that's sort of when you see the the fragmented friendships sort of happening and things like that. So right. you know that something big has to happen and everybody has to come together. <laughs> well, also, too, there's also a scene that happens in the bowling alley where ball bag, Pamela's ball bag boyfriend comes in and ruins their date because he's over there and scott's just trying to teach her how to bowl flirting with her touching her butt and everything else not to mention that he already slept with her uh already too because boof even heard them inside the uh behind the backstage during that time in the theater and he's howling yeah, because now they don't they don't show anything. We should probably say that because I yeah. think it was PG, PG, PG-13. But yeah, there's definitely a dis- very distinctive howl. So, you know, something happened there. You just, right. you know, have to fill in the blanks. Right. And <laughs> this is not sex ed, so I'm not going to do that. But... <laughs> uh, we'll, let the li- we'll let the viewers decide. <laughs> right, exactly. But, you know, then, of course, ball bag comes in. And he doesn't like the fact that he's touching up on her or anything like that. And then, of course, he he gets Scott riled up to the point where he throws the bowling ball across the uh, bowling alley and he runs off. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so did you just pimp out your girlfriend for the day to let Scott have a field day with her and then take her back afterwards? Yeah, he seemed kind was, of a it was like kind of a douche. Yeah. That's what it looked like to me, though. It looked like he, you know what? Congratulations, Scott. You've been winning some games. So you know what I'm going to do? Guess what? You get the door prize. You get my girlfriend for a day. And then yeah. after your 24 hours is up, guess what? She's not going to be going with you to the dance. She's going to go with me. And I'm going to piss you off over at the bowling alley. Yeah. And then Pamela was fine with that, though. That's the weird thing. Like, she's like, well, I'm, I still have a boyfriend. I'm going to stay with my boyfriend, which sort of surprises Scott. Because he right. didn't expect that to happen, you know, even though, and I guess he didn't suspect she was sleeping with the director either, but everybody right. else knew it. <laughs> right. But also, too, though, it goes back to what Booth was saying was, she's just not in, that into you, bro. I'm into you. You need to go yeah. with me to the dance. Yeah. And he's seeing it come into play now, his realization of things. Yeah. And then he talks to his dad and has that heart to heart moment with his dad. And he's like, you know, I've been in that same situation to myself. You just have to know what to do in that situation. And that was all the advice that he gave. Yeah. And then go ahead. No, no, no. Go on ahead. Oh, no. And I was going to say, and then, so then he makes the decision to not wolf out for the dance. Right. And everybody's not happy about that. 
Oh yeah. Okay. The name of the play was Wolf, uh, Werewolf Cavalry Man. <laughs> <laughs> that was the name of the school play. <laughs> like they changed the whole play for him to have. Wasn't? Did he just have the one line? <laughs> I feel yeah. like they changed the whole name of the play for him to have that one line. You they know did. what I mean? It's like they had they, the whole they dance the title with the wolf and they dance. Changed, yep. <laughs> and then also too when scott does come to his senses and stuff like that with the school play he decides he's going to go ahead go as himself and then he realizes that he's being used by other people and stuff like yeah. that too miles is the only one who's not really being hurt by anything he's just selling merchandise making money off his friend he doesn't care <laughs> he was 30 years ahead of his time he had the right. merch <laughs> He had t-shirts, he had the buttons, he had everything ready today, for Scott. Yeah, today he'd be like the guy behind the behind the wolf who would be an influencer. <laughs> you know what I would like to see? I would like to see a documentary with Miles and character, the actor who played him and character. Because you know what I what I remember 30 years ago when I played when Scott played for the Beavers. I remember the time when I sold over a thousand dollars worth of merchandise. Look where I'm at now. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to see something like that. It would be really clever to like make like a pseudo doc of right? with all the characters today. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> that, that would be, be cool. that's so, like, a great a idea. That'd be reunion. fun. Yeah, right. I mean, I think that would be kind of that's actually really clever, John. I like that idea a lot. To, I might have to think about how to reach out and do something. You know? Right? I think that would be really funny. <laughs> You know, I mean, I don't know about Michael J. Fox's health to do something no. today. I don't know. Does he still? Does he? Is he still acting? I'm not. He does I feel like he does stuff. Yeah, because I feel like I've seen him not that not that long ago. But then again, you know, Hollywood shut down anyway for 18 months, right. just like the rest of us. So, kind of lost track right. of everybody. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but then you know, uh, then ha- uh, this is also another thing that winds up happening too. It was after the whole entire deal with uh, the bowling ball. That's when Harold tells Scott he is responsible for the vice principal, Rusty Thorn, uh, breathing down his neck due to a scare he had given him when he was in high school and advises him to be himself and not the wolf. Yes. So it was during that moment when he did that. Yeah. Yeah. And so then that's, of course, when Scott comes to his senses and does that. And so... Then he asks Booth to the dance. Booth says yes. He goes, but you know that they're going to want you to be the wolf. He goes, well, I'm not going to give it to him. He goes, well, you have to. He goes, well, would you go to the dance for me as the wolf? Yes. Would you pat my paws? Would you comb my hair? Would you, <laughs> would you, uh, <laughs> would you play with my teeth? <laughs> so I like the banter between them. The banter is so cute. It's- so fun it's really cute it is really cute and you're like why do you like pamela she's blah she doesn't have no personality she's dry as fence as fence stock yeah to be honest yeah. with you she has yeah. no sense of humor Mm-mm. you know it's hard but, to understand why she's popular but whatever you know right mm. so they go to the dance basically he's dressed in like a drawn Travolta disco era kind of suit it's awesome. <laughs> yes. But the music, not so much. The suit no. looked more awesome than the music. And that's when I have to tell you, the music sucked. Yeah. Pretty Pink's music is a lot better than that. When I was watching this movie, I thought they couldn't afford to like have better music. But then I remembered that really when they made this movie, 
I don't think Michael J. Fox was as huge of a star as he became. Nope. Because Family Ties was on the air, but I think Family Ties took a couple of years before it was like right up in the top 10 or even top five. Well, I mean, it was a big show, but I don't know if it was right away. Well, Family Tides, they took a break because I think one of the actresses was pregnant during that time, and that allowed Michael J. Fox to be able to have some time off to be able to do this film. But also, too, everything was rushed, though. In the that. film? Yep, everything yeah. was rushed. Yeah. The basketball scenes were the same scenes that we saw before. I didn't notice that, but me that either. doesn't surprise me. I mean, can you imagine trying to get people together to film that scene? You'd have to film everything you need in one one day or however that worked and then they were saying when i was doing my research i read that um they michael j fox had to have a body double but when he would come out that he because okay so now i'm trying to think of how what this research was i found so he this movie came out in 85 so it was probably filmed in 84 i'm gonna say the family tie started in 82 and then he became a big star when this started filming so when he would come out and there were extras, and I imagine the scene was no different. The girls would just scream so much that they had to wait for them to like calm down. Because can you imagine being in a room with Michael J. Fox? Ah, I would have loved that. <laughs> I think it's fitting for them to do that because they're in a stadium setting. Yeah. So, but it might be way over the top to the point where nobody could hear anything that's being said. So that's yeah. also another thing. Yeah, I mean, and if you if you think about it, if you watch like certain shows, like when they were really popular and they had studio audiences, like for instance, Kramer on Seinfeld, when he would come in to the room, they they would just be so many cheers that everything had to stop for you know what was it? Even ten seconds felt like a really long time, and right. I'm sure that's what was happening because if you're gonna see a huge movie star, you're gonna scream. I mean, I am. I would. Me too. <laughs> me too as well but also too even the scene where they're surfing and stuff like that too if you notice the uh jack-in-the-box there was two, there was that there was two where they ended up doing it twice where they so they showed the it point. on a loop yep the <laughs> same jack-in-the-box yeah i'm like but still i didn't even notice until they brought that up I didn't notice it until now. Thanks for ruining the whole movie for me, John. Sorry. Appreciate that. I, I'm so, I, I'm so <laughs> Forget sorry. what I said about real genius. You're going to ruin that soon. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, this is what happens when I do research. <laughs> Stop doing research. <laughs> okay, not a problem. I'll just go off of your notes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know. Okay, so after that winds up happening, the transformation, of course, Boof and him are having a dance alone by themselves. Then, of course, that's when you wind up seeing uh, the douchebag come back again and hits him in the face. Mick winds up getting upset, walks up to Scott and punches him in the face. He then goes on to insult Boof and taunt Scott until the wolf comes out and angrily attacks him, ripping his shirt off. The crowd looks shocked and at his charge in the uh, of the character, and he runs out of, out of the hall, right into Thorn, who threatens to make an example of Scott from school, well, expel Scott from school. Harold appears and tells him his son to go home, then tells Thorn to leave Scott alone, going on it, intimidate, uh, intimidate uh, Thorn by growling into his face, causing the vice principal to wet himself. Yay! <laughs> and nobody's unhappy mm -hmm. when that happens, because he was a jerk. 
It was. I wish that would have actually happened to Mick, to, to yeah. be honest with you. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, then Scott reannounces using the wolf, quitting the play, like I said before, and the basketball team who have to come to expect it during the championship game. Scott arrives and re- rallies his teammates to play without the wolf in order to win the game. Despite the odds, the team begins to play together and they make ground against the dragons. During the final quarter, behind by one point, Scott is uh, fouled by Mick at the buzzer. He makes a uh, bull, sh- of course, makes both uh, shots. Winning the game in the championship to everyone in delight, brushing past Pamela, Scott kisses Booth. As his father comes down and hugs the two of them, Mick tells Pamela that they should leave, but she tells him to drop dead, which I don't understand, and storms yeah. off while everyone else celebrates the victory. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so I know why Pamela tells him to drop dead. It's because of the fact now that Scott, who happens to be an underdog, beat, beats him at his own game. So therefore now, Mick is no longer going to be popular anymore. Yeah. And that leaves an open window for uh, Pamela to go her own way to the next popular jock or whoever that she sees. Yeah. And so it happens to be, it happens to be Scott. Scott ignores her and goes off, off to uh, Booth, which I'm happy he does. Yeah, has to. It's an 80s comedy. <laughs> but I like how Miles is like, dude, where's the wolf? Where's the wolf? People are here to pay the wolf. I'm not doing it, Miles. What do you mean? I invested so much money into you. <laughs> yeah, like- that was like, dude. And it's and like you're allowed to, You, I mean, you forgive Miles for being kind of a, a jerk. You're not a, you're not even a jerk. You know, you gotta, he's being an entrepreneur and they're good friends. So it's like, okay, you know, whatever. But you right. know, one thing I noticed, like, I mean, obviously it's, it's a werewolf comedy so that there's a lot of plot holes, but didn't anybody want to think through the fact that this was an absolute losing team, but they made it to the championships after winning like exactly. one game <laughs> and all they play the are the dragons. Yeah. They only play the dragons. <laughs> I just thought that was like, okay, well, whatever. It's a it's a great movie. I don't care. But I just thought right. it was funny. I thought so too. They didn't do anything else but play the dragons. <laughs> and and most championship teams don't have like um zero like what is it? Zero however many good games they played. They lost every single game no until game. like the week before. <laughs> <laughs> That's a redemption story. It's like, you know what? <laughs> but let Do me tell you something. The pot. <laughs> right? But let me tell you something else that was actually funny, though. There was an extra on the set at the very end of this movie, right? So if you notice, whenever Scott's dad gets up to give Scott a hug, there's an extra behind him. The extra forgot to zip up his pants. No, I didn't notice that. That's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> so that's another thing that winds up happening. And then. Uh, there was supposed to be more stuff that happened outside with Scott and his father having that heart-to-heart moment, like I mentioned before. It was more giving him a layout of what he went through in high school and having that, sharing that moments with him, which I, to me needed to be in there more and be fleshed yeah. out a lot more, in you my mean opinion. With, you mean with the, the relationship with the principal or just his the dad's general experience of high school? Or the both? experience of high school and also the experience with um, Thornton. Too. Yeah, I mean, I think that would have, I think that would have been good. I mean, I and and 
they it, it wouldn't have added too much time to the movie either in my opinion it wasn't that no. long of a movie so they could have done that and i kind of wish they did because i like the dad he just was hardly in the movie at all i wish he'd been in it a little more right and i just want to give a big shout out to james hampton who played harold in this movie his father was so heartfelt it yeah. felt like a general connection between michael j fox yeah. and i love that chemistry yeah, it was them. good chemistry. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Michael J. Fox seems to have a lot of chemistry. I, I don't know if they, it, when he would, in his movies, he really has a lot of chemistry with every single one of his co-stars. Even on Family Ties, he did. And so I don't know if that's, if that's acting or if that's something he generally is like, like in, in real life, he just mm -hmm. seems to like get, people are drawn to him. But I mean, that's one thing you really see a lot in all of his movies. Oh, guess what else? Want to know another fun fact? I do. Okay. So you know how the Back to the Future neighborhood is where his Marty's mom grew up in, where yes. uh, and then you wind up seeing his dad spying on her with being doing the bird watching, supposedly. Um, so anyways, that's actually the same neighborhood that they used for Back to the Future. And that's the same house that they used for Marty McFly. Really? for his mom yep oh that's really cool i didn't i didn't realize that that's very cool that's so that's awesome. another little tip of the hat but this movie was also named several other movies in the in other countries though too they called it uh teen uh teen wolf uh back in time or something like that too hmm. do you think that I was going to say, were they trying to like make some kind of connection there? Because people might yeah. not have otherwise known it. Do you know, John, when they filmed Back to the Future and when they filmed this one? Because they came out so close together. Did okay. they film them back to back, do you think? Okay. This one was released August 23rd, 1985. Yeah. Back to the Future was also released in the same year. That summer. Right. It was in the summertime. And I'm going to get that information. But I, I'm, I'm also curious. I'm thinking though that like Back to the Future probably had a lot more um, post production, just because of all of the sci-fi and all of the, um, you know, flying cars and <laughs> the stuff. Right. And oh, okay. so they probably had a lot of um, special effects to do post production. Okay, my question for you is: When do you think this movie was released? Which one? This Back one? to the Future. No, Back, Back to, to the, the Future. Back to the Future was 1985, right? August of 1985, right. yeah. July 3rd of 1985. Okay, uh, July of 19. Oh, yeah, they probably, summer blockbuster, that makes sense. And guess what? I, yeah. And a month later, August 23rd, 1985, Teen Wolf was released. Yes, so I wonder what, how they, which I bet they filmed Back to the Future first, because I bet it took a long time post-production. Yep. Teen Wolf would have had some post-production, too, because there was a lot of, um, there were cosmetics not, and stuff. Yeah, cosmetics and stuff like that. And then they with the filming of the double. So they would right. have had to come in and do the body double scenes with that actor who did all the um basketball because apparently Michael J. Fox was not a natural athlete. Right. Of course. <laughs> but, <laughs> Can't be um, everything, Michael J. Fox. <laughs> so, you know, I've been doing my uh, my stuff for the trivia stuff. So let's go on ahead. I wanted to go into your stuff a little bit. Ooh, I think some of the what stuff that I said is the same stuff. I don't. I think you did more research than I did then on this one though. Who 
Who knew a uh, 20 minute YouTube video would actually help me out? <laughs> right. I mean, so, you think about it today, you can get a lot of information from the YouTube. Right. Exactly. So Team Wolf Facts, this is what Beth pulled off. Family t- uh, ties the TV show first aired in 1982 to 1989, became the second rated t- show on TV. While Fox was filming Teen Wolf, like you mentioned, it took longer to shoot scenes because the female extras would scream when Fox came out on film. So that's something that you also said as well. Uh, James Hampton, who plays uh, Fox's dad in the movie, auditioned to be the basketball coach. That was something that I wanted to mention too, which to me wouldn't have been a good fit for him. Not at all. I think that's why they moved him to the father because I don't think he would have done. I don't think he would have been. I don't think he would have been as endearing as the coach. No, definitely not. And also, too, another thing that I want to mention is the fact that the father, the actor, didn't want. He hated the cosmetics for the werewolf. He hated that. He said it was a nightmare. Can you imagine well. how uncomfortable that would have been and just how long it would have taken? Because they really were head to toe. Exactly. I mean, at least at least the full face and arms. I don't remember if they showed the dad from the waist down or anything, but it, just the hands. I mean, that would have been itchy and hot and uncomfortable. And the prosthetics on the face, it would have been really, really unpleasant. Definitely. And also, too, I want to mention this. Did you know there was an animated TV series? No, I did not know that. Yeah. And get this. This only lasted, it was on CBS for two seasons from 1986 to 1987. Uh, Townsend Coleman voiced the role of Scott uh, Howard, with James Hampton reprising the role of the father. The oh, series, okay, let's go. Yeah, the series retained the basic premise and most of the characters from the film, but made changes to the story, such as Scott attempting to keep his werewolf identity secret from the general public. It also featured new characters, including Scott's grandparents, voiced by Stacy Ketch Sr. and June Foray, and younger sister Lupe, Lupe. But let me just tell you this, though. This is how stupid this, this the cartoon is. He's supposed to be um, hiding his identity, right? Because he doesn't want anybody to know that he's a werewolf, right? So guess what? He's in a town where people are curious about werewolves. <laughs> well, that makes sense. Yeah. And he wants to keep his identity secret. I'm like, okay, so is there any other human being besides Scott and his father who is werewolves? Yeah, right. And trying to hide out in a town that is curious about werewolves, who also probably wants to hunt werewolves. So what's... So that doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. But then again, it's a cartoon. So what are you right. going to do, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, I'll just do one more from your from your list. Uh, Fox starred in many other box offices, including The Secret of My Success, which is actually one of my favorite 1980s films, by the way. Uh, Bright Lights, Big film. City, Doc Holly, which is also another one that we're going to be reviewing pretty soon. Yeah, you and I are going to review that because I just saw that again. I love that movie. Doc Holliday is hands down one of my favorite um Michael J. Fox films aside yeah, and it, from my and secret it, of my success. It's got Bridget Fonda, who I loved, and she doesn't act anymore. She's retired, and she was so good in this that film. It was a good, it was a really good film. I liked it. I will tell you that the secret of my success that was I went on my first date um, to that movie, and that was the night I had my first kiss. Oh, yeah, <laughs> very exciting. <laughs> it didn't like... last. <laughs> You can actually put there as like a rom-com kind of deal, if you think about it, right? Because it's a Michael J. Fox film. There is some romance within the film. So it's a rom-com, basically. Yeah, I think it's it's probably 
mostly rom-com comedy rom-com and it also gave us katrina and the waves walking on yes. sunshine became a huge 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 hit i mean you still hear it today on commercials yes. and stuff but that it was from that movie that 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 song became such a big hit most definitely so uh, that's everything that i wanted to cover as far as team wolf goes but what about you i i think we covered it all Okay. I I liked it. It's a good film and who doesn't love Michael J. Fox? How do you not? He's so he's such a good actor and he's so cute and he's just an seems like a really nice person. I I love that movie. He just seems like a down to earth person that I just want to really have does. coffee with and just chill with, know, to be honest right? with you. I know. Michael J. Fox, come on the show and talk to us. Right? <laughs> You know, just hashtag uh, attach a hashtag in both of us, and you well, know, yeah, come on, we'll Seriously. just keep we'll, we'll just keep adding adding him on Twitter, and maybe he'll come on. You know what? I've been tagging him like all day with our team <laughs> with hashtags and stuff like that. Okay, but we're but gonna anyway. do it for the next one too. <laughs> okay, sounds good. We'll be aggravated. <laughs> by the time we're done with everything oh that but, was two weirdos they're kind of nice they seem funny <laughs> i think i'm just going to turn turn into the live chat this seems safe. <laughs> if he tunes in he better come on <laughs> right come on mj but anyways thank you so much beth for wanting to do thank this review you for with me. having me again i always enjoy this it's so much fun. me too me too it's time. always fun uh, to be able to do this with you and have this great review with you and this banter back and forth between us. I'm glad that you reached out to me a few months ago to do our very first review. Yeah, and I do and appreciate it that. Out, it worked out so well for us. We've had a it lot of fun. Did. Most definitely. And my question is this, where can everybody follow you at on your social media so people uh, want to get in touch with you? Well, you can find me. Let me see if I can do this. Oh, right there. Hashtag <laughs> there. You can find us on Twitter at TV Movie Club Pod One. I should say I am the Made for TV Movie Club podcast. I'm half of it. I do have a co-host. Um, Twitter at TV Movie Club Pod One. On Instagram at Made underscore Four underscore TV underscore Movie underscore Club. Facebook, we're on Made for TV Movie Club podcast. And then you can listen to us on all your favorites. Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Anchor, Anywhere that you listen to your podcast, we are there. So come and join us on our socials. We have a lot of fun there. All right. And Rossi, thank you for tuning in for a little bit. I do appreciate that. That's independent Rossi McCree. She hey, is part of my... Matter of fact, every other Thursday, Rossi McCree will go on and I do a after show for Sweet Tooth. We've been doing a review every other Thursday. So you can tune in at that at 8 o'clock Central Time, 9 o'clock Eastern Time. You're late. One. Yep. <laughs> but not this thursday this oh, thursday, okay. thursday originally it was supposed to be next thursday but we had thanksgiving oh, thanksgiving so we're planning it sometime in december hey rossi hi rossi <laughs> but uh tomorrow night i'm not going to be on my own show instead it's going to be taking over by the schmo uh uh schmoes of the north is going to be taking over my channel tomorrow night and tomorrow night charlie my co-host is going to be on the show and they're going to have a huge trivia game we're going to have people from the schmodown coming in we don't i don't know who's involved or anything like that but they're going to be on my show but i think that everybody's wondering when am i doing why am i taking a step away from my channel for the night well i would have been there but i'm also going to be on another uh uh channel doing a trivia show on their channel but it's not oh, going to be live, it, but it's called Switch the Envelope. 
And I actually had them on my show doing a, we actually did our very first one was cliffhanger. And then we did another one. And that was for the Halloween special that I did, which is scream on screen, which was the gremlins episode. Oh, cool. That we did. So I'm going to be on their channel doing a trivia show and I got to be there for 8.30 Pacific time So to do that. So I can't be at two places at one time. So I told my co-host, Charlie, hey, look, can you go ahead and do this for me? He said, absolutely. So he's doing that for me. So thanks, Charlie, for stepping in for me for that. Thank you, Frenchie. I do appreciate it. And Frenchie's also part of Schmoes of the North. He does every single producing thing on the channel, on the Schmoes of the North channel. And if you don't know what the Schmodown is, just go on ahead, check out Schmodown. It's basically the WWE of movie trivia. Uh, movie trivia. They have inner geekdom belts. They have just general belts. They have inner geekdom. They have Star Wars. Anything that your heart desires within the film community, they have. So, so anyways, what you guys can do is go on ahead, follow me underneath Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite on Facebook, underneath the same brand name on Pinterest and on Instagram as well. If you want to donate to the page, how do you do that? Just go on ahead, drop five to ten dollars by going to gofundme.com forward slash movie lovers podcast and that's how you can go on ahead keep the lights on over here at movie lovers unite but if you can't i totally understand it a simple like a simple share smashing that little subscribe button on the bottom right hand corner of the screen does a uh, does a long way for us also too don't forget to smash that little bell in the bottom right hand corner to allow you guys to know when we have something new coming out also too i do some promotional stuff on tiktok as well at movie lovers unit zero and then if you want to follow me on there that's how you can reach out to me over there but if you like Twitter, go ahead, follow me on Twitter. Follow me over there at Movie Lovers Unit over there. And then, of course, if you're a sponsor or would like to be on the show, just email me at movieloversunite at gmail.com. And that's everywhere that you can reach me at. On By the way, on November 23rd, 8 o'clock Central Time, 9 o'clock Eastern, I will be having a very special guest with me, Brent Scarpo. He's actually the associate and casting director of Shawshank Redemption. You guys do not want to miss out on this. Because we're going to be taking your live questions as I'm interviewing Brent Scarpo. So, tune in, 8 o'clock Central Time, 9 o'clock Eastern Time. You won't regret it. Have a great time watching this review. Have a great time tomorrow night watching the Schmoes do what they do. And join me at 8 o'clock Central Time, 9 o'clock Eastern Time on Tuesday for that. And then I think Charlie and I are going to be doing a Red Notice review coming up on Monday, I believe. So, we have that coming out on Monday. No, Dexter. We have Dexter Mondays coming out. So uh, episode three of our after show for Dexter is coming out on Monday, 8 o'clock sometime, 9 o'clock Eastern. So always until next time, guys. It's been real. It's been fun. I can't wait to do this again. And thank you so much, Beth. I do appreciate you, as I always do, doing this with me. And, you know, it's just, you know, it's just a pleasure to have you on. Thank you. It's always, I just love being on. It's always fun. I always look forward to it. It's a great way to end the day. (laughs) 